Welcome to the Chaya Podcast, a sacred platform where Jewish Iranian changemakers turn taboo topics into transformational opportunities for the community. I'm your hostess, Nicole Napovar, a licensed psychotherapist with a private practice in Century City, and I'm also the co-founder of Chaya, a community of intimate gatherings for Jewish Iranians to experience meaningful connection and deepen their sense of self. The intention of this podcast is to support our listeners' evolution by challenging the rules our parents and community want for us in order to have their definition of the best life. Instead, let's decide from a more conscious place in our souls which practices we want to keep, which ones we want to let go of, and how we can own those decisions with grace so that we can thrive in more fulfilling and authentic lives. This is the Chaya Podcast, and I'm your hostess. So, welcome Shadi and Ellen to the Chaya Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you guys. Shadi Zarnigan is a Persian Jewish woman born and raised in LA. She is a licensed pharmacist in California and a fertility advocate. She graduated from USC with an undergraduate degree in health promotion disease prevention. She earned her doctorate in pharmacy from Western University of Health Science in 2011 and has been practicing as a pharmacist ever since. At 35 years of age, she decided that there's more to her life than just dispensing medication. She created Conception LA as a platform on Instagram to share her egg freezing journey and educate others about their fertility. This unspoken fear surrounding fertility inspired her to want to share her story in the hopes of making it table talk. On Instagram at conception.losangeles, she shows everything you need to know about the egg freezing process. Dr. Alan Goldstein is a double board certified OBGYN and reproductive endocrinologist and infertility physician. She has been helping hopeful families at the Reproductive Fertility Center since 2016. Dr. Goldstein enjoys ushering her patients through the often overwhelming world of fertility care with intuition, empathy, and clear communication. I know, you guys know, this is a Jewish-Iranian podcast co-founder community situation. (laughs) (laughs) And um, what I'm curious to know is, with your backgrounds and expertise, what are some common themes that you're noticing around how Jewish Iranian women are relating to their egg health and fertility? You know, when it comes to themes, I think every woman has their own story. So it's really hard to put someone in a category or to say it's a certain theme because, you know, as I talk about all the time and tell women, it's like, you know, you don't know what your reproductive health is like until you go and find out or learn more about it. And it's always, you know, this unknown And that scares some women of not knowing. But to categorize it as a theme, I think it's a little challenging to put someone and say, okay, there's a theme. Um, Yeah. I think that um, a lot of what comes up very frequently is that this is just uncomfortable. Um, It's not something that that Persian women feel like they – that just – it doesn't just flow off the tongue. (laughs) Um, And it's been really – something extraordinary for Shadi to undertake um, to start talking about this in public forums and to really invite the conversation. Um, and so I also completely echo that this is a, a personal conversation that every, pers- every person is different with how they're going to relate to this. Um, but one thing is that 
Um, people think that maybe there's something that they did wrong, that there's something that's mm. in there that, you know, why why am I in a situation, whether you are in your 30s and considering freezing your eggs or if you're in a, if you're partnered and trying to have a child and having trouble, which is so common, um, mm. that, you know, making that into more of a, a personal, putting personal blame on yourself when, um, when you shouldn't be. This is so common and this is something that we can help with. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, to piggyback on that is I guess we can say it's the why me, why, why am I in this situation? Why do I have to deal with this? Mm -hmm. And like, so there's like a a bit of a victim mentality or like, why is this happening to me versus, you know, why, how is this happening for me? Exactly. Possibly. Why is this happening to me? What did I do in my life that I could have done differently? Did I make Mm. the wrong choices? Mm-hmm. And if I had made different choices, would I be in a different situation now? Mm-hmm. So almost blaming yourself yeah. for being in this situation, which you really shouldn't. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I can relate to that. I've been in the process of freezing my eggs and um, a lot of, it's a lot of different emotions and a lot of like, well, did I waste my time in that relationship or should I have got a out sooner should i have done this process earlier you know there's so many um so much comes up it's not just about freezing your eggs <laughs> yeah it's not just about the signs of freezing your eggs there's so many emotions i feel like and i shouldn't say regrets but almost feeling like oh gosh should i did i do something wrong like how questioning, could, questioning like doubting yourself doubting yourself when mm-hmm. the reality is you know who you are and you're allowing this part of your life to kind of come in and be like, okay, well, should I have done something differently? But you're so proud of everything that you've done so far. Yeah. You know, you're so strong in everything else. But then you're like, but, but really? Yeah. Did I? Right. Could I have done something differently? Yeah. Got to stop doing that to ourselves. <laughs> I think, and I think also um, on the lines of, People relating to – everybody's going to relate to different things in their lives differently. And there are going to be some women who, when they start thinking about freezing their eggs, we need to really um, really dig into some of the more emotional sides of it, just like we've been talking about for the last few minutes. And then for some people, it might feel better um, and even more empowering just to kind of look at it from a very kind of like stark standpoint – of this is an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm otherwise fine. I'm otherwise healthy. This doesn't mean I have any issues with my fertility. Mm-hmm. This is just to put something in the freezer to, in case I have trouble in the future. And it does not have to be anything other than a little two week blip in my schedule um, to just get this done and done with. And that's okay too to not have to like think about it that much, mm-hmm. um, and rather just keep going with your busy life and what a helpful reframe you know for those of us who might have that you know first perspective of like this is hard and Mm -hmm. and maybe both perspectives can coexist you know absolutely right i think that there is a happy medium Mm -hmm. in between both Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i personally like to feel it Mm -hmm. and i like to feel the emotions of what i'm going through and process it that way but i also know that okay yes definitely it's an insurance policy yeah just because i'm doing this doesn't mean that i'm going to have a hard time getting pregnant Mm -hmm. absolutely when i I decide or when i want or when it's right for me because it's not the right time right now Mm -hmm. right and you're not and and doing this doesn't doesn't mean you're going to have trouble getting pregnant it doesn't change anything about your future plans it just gives you a little extra help possibly if you need it have you noticed that so it sounds like one of the big things that come up is shame around this process and that is such a theme in our 
you know, community in so many different areas of our lives because we have so many ideas of what we should be doing or where we should be or who we should be marrying or what job we should have and all this stuff. This word should is so strong in our community. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's mind-boggling to me that we rely on it so much instead of asking ourselves, well, what do we want? Mm-hmm. What are our needs? How can I, how can I meet my needs mm-hmm. and be a happy person instead of what does the community think I should mm-hmm. Where, where should I be? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I personally shifted my view on, on life, which allowed me to be where I am today, to do what I'm doing right now, is I kind of quieted that word should. Mm-hmm. You know, I silent, it went silent for me, mm-hmm. and I was able to, like, change my view of life and how I want, how I want to coexist in this, in this world. Right. I... I had a realization the other week that shame and these shoulds are just every time we hear ourselves in that dialogue with ourselves, it's an invitation for us to stop and really get clear on, okay, so what is it that I actually want? Every single time it comes up, just stop and ask yourself, what do I actually want? Check in. Yeah. So my question for you guys is how do we shift this conversation or this dialogue around you know, fertility. I think you're doing a great job. I think Haya has allowed there to be a safe space where people can come and not just talk about fertility, but a lot of different things. Um, And I think, and I hope, uh, me sharing my story has allowed women to be a little bit more comfortable about talking about their fertility. I actually um, had gone to a dinner the other week and there was five Persian Jews sitting at the table behind me. I knew four out of five girls. And we, I went to go say goodbye to them. And they were asking me, how's your egg freezing journey going? And this, that. And then all of a sudden, they're like, well, who's your doctor? This is my doctor. And this is what I'm doing. And, that. and I was like, wow, this is table talk? Mm, I love that. I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I wanted to see and mm-hmm. hear, is that women empowering women at a dinner where mm-hmm. they could be talking about anything else but here they are saying, well, what was your process like? And who's mm-hmm. your doctor? And how did you like it? And what was the hardest thing for you? And mm-hmm. it was incredible. Mm-hmm. It was such a good feeling. I love that. It was, you yeah. just have to normalize it. Yeah. And I think also um, uh, my big thing, as you've seen from the videos that I make with Shadi, is I really just want, I want everybody to understand what this is. I want everybody to understand their own body. And so um, I think one of the reasons why I became a doctor is I couldn't imagine living in a body that I didn't understand. And so having this real understanding of what it is that your ovaries do and what is your egg physiology and your egg life cycle um, and how we can um, how we can make science work for us mm-hmm. um, is, I think, a really empowering thing. I think what's really important is removing this fear attached to it. Think we're so fearful of what it's going to do for us, or how our bodies are going to react, or you know, have never looked into your fertility timeline and finding out, getting a number that you didn't expect, even if you're really young. I mean, there's situations I've heard many stories of girls, young, young girls going in and you know their AMH levels being a lot lower than they thought, and so that unknown, but trying to understand that doesn't really mean, I mean, Dr. Goldstein can def- definitely like tell us more about that, but it's, yeah. it's just a number, it doesn't really mean. 
Especially because people really kind of um, sensationalize those numbers. And you really, if you get the right kind of explanation, it's a lot less scary. Mm -hmm. And so there really is, there is truly a real risk of finding something quote unquote wrong or that seems wrong when you undertake this because we may find that you have lower egg numbers than average. Um, and that's, in medicine, we call that an incidental problem, something that we found that we weren't looking for. And so we do find that sometimes, but it, what we use it, it just, it's part, the medical side of the equation um, and you let your doctor deal with it to have the best treatment cycle for you. Um, but um, the fact that you're still there talking about freezing your eggs and taking taking some control for your future, um, that number doesn't, you know, high, low, doesn't affect that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Doesn't define you. No. Yeah. So what is... Um Let's let's go a little bit, you know, into some of the practicalities or some quick tips that we can give our listeners. Um, what have you guys found to be the best age to freeze your eggs? So this is an interesting. Um, I'm going to nerd out on this a little bit. <laughs> um, the statistically, the best, the the sweet spot is probably around age 32, 33. There was a very interesting um, paper that came out looking at the cost effectiveness of eat freezing eggs, showing that it's most cost effective around age 37. Now that's because um, at age 37, that's if you're already 37 and still and and unpartnered, then you're going to have a higher chance that you might actually need to use your eggs. So that's what makes this more cost effective, except mm. that in their analysis, something like 50% of 37-year-olds might have an egg freezing cycle that doesn't yield any usable eggs. Right. And so do you really care about a population-based analysis or do you care about your best chance of your eggs working for you? Mm -hmm. And the sweet spot for that is probably around age 32, 33. Now, I would never discourage somebody from looking into this when they were younger mm -hmm. because if you do find out that your numbers are on the lower side, then the, the fewer eggs you're going to have, the younger you should be for this to, to work for you because yeah. it's all a problem of statistics. If you're older with a ton of eggs, you're still probably going to have some good ones. But if you're younger with fewer, then we still have a really good chance of those eggs working for you. So it's kind of based on an individual exactly. case by case. Exactly. And, you know, um, obviously the, your eggs, you have less and less mm -hmm. every year. So, yep. you know, the sooner you start, the better. But right. right from a more cost-effective mm -hmm. standpoint, it's like if you're 32, 33, it makes more sense. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, I see it a little differently as a patient. I want to speak as a patient. Yeah. Um, you know, I never expected to have something called low ovarian reserve, which means that for my age, I don't have as many follicles as another woman might have, which was surprising to me. But again, it didn't mean that... I'm going to have a problem getting pregnant. It was just harder for me when I wanted to freeze more eggs because I have to do more cycles to get enough eggs or as many eggs as a girl that might not have low ovarian reserve, um, which is why I'm doing cycle number two. Um, but for me, I wish that I had someone telling me, just go learn about your fertility, mm -hmm. even if it's younger. I know a lot of us um, financially can't afford it in our 20s or even in our early 30s, mm -hmm. but I think that just taking that initial step of making an appointment with your fertility specialist and opening up the conversation and getting a test done doesn't doesn't mean that you have to go full, you know, move forward with the process. It just means you're getting to learn more about your body. How is your body? Where does it stand? 
Um, and it's almost like preventative care. We all get a flu shot so we don't get the flu, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think it's like, why not make this also a routine part of your, you know, healthcare? Yeah, absolutely. And that way it won't feel so scary. If you look at it like that, it's more like, all right, I'm just getting a cleaning so I don't have to, you know, yeah. get a root canal. <laughs> you know? Honestly, even from the expense angle, it it's, you know, it's a procedure that typically costs around ten to twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And Jewish Free Loans is an organization that offers free loans to people to and to women specifically who are looking into freezing their eggs. This Absolutely. is one of the things that they cover as a resource for us. So, you know, really grateful to them for that. And yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. We have resources. I think it's the fear that's holding us back to have that initial conversation. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. think it's so important to just make that appointment and learn a little bit about yourself. Yeah. But we just never know. Mm-hmm. Why can't we just start the conversation now or earlier on? I would even say like, Early, earlier than 32, 33. Yeah, of course. I would say 29, 30, I would want to know more about my fertility mm-hmm. and regain the power to be able to make the decision at that point in my life of, okay, do I need to move forward? Or can I put this on the side for a minute and then revisit it mm-hmm. later on in my life? Mm-hmm. But to have that choice is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like later on in life when we're a little bit older, we don't have that power. It's not as strong. I mean, it's still there. Don't get me wrong. We can still make a choice, but I think it's much more empowering when we're a little bit younger and we're more informed and we know what's going on ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what are, you know, I'm curious to know, what are three things that we can do now as women to increase our egg health? And really the biggest one is just don't, get older <laughs> with, <laughs> without without at least taking a step to 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 figure out if you might be able to do something to take control of this um, because age really is the most important factor in egg health and um, if I can explain just a little bit more about what we mean by wh- why is age so important um, to get a little bit scientific here um, when I say that it, when eggs when we say that your egg quality goes down with age I don't mean it's not like global it's not like all of your eggs get just less good with with every passing year it's not like you know a baby you have now will be less likely to get into Harvard than it would have been if you'd had a baby that baby at 22 it's a proportion thing it's that Fewer and fewer of your eggs are actually capable of making a healthy baby because the DNA, what happens is the DNA has to separate cleanly when an egg matures. And you have to have exactly the right number of chromosomes in that egg to make a baby. And what happens as we get older is that more and more of the eggs, as they separate their DNA, um, they wind up with too much or too little DNA in each egg. Um, And it just can't make a baby. And so we, um, there there is no magic bullet for that. None of the supplements or anything that people sort of tout, none of this, you know, platelet-rich plasma injections into your ovaries, like none of this doesn't doesn't help it. And so it's really just about time and catching time before it gets away from you is the most important thing. But I think like things like lifestyle changes, if you're going to start thinking about this process, I know I made a lot of lifestyle changes. You know, if you're a smoker, maybe think about quitting. That's the biggest, actually, the lifestyle change. That really will affect it, for sure. Yeah. Or, you know, your alcohol consumption or just, you know, there's so many things um, that come into play, especially if you've been diagnosed with PCOS. I think that's a whole Mm -hmm. other 
conversation we can have because those women will have a different cycle than one that doesn't. So, you know, what do you need to do for that? There's so many things that you could do, but really just a healthy lifestyle, I think, is probably the best way to go. So I remember, you know, a few months ago, I was thinking about freezing my eggs and I spoke with you and I, I see on your Instagram all the time that you're trying all these different amazing things that you can do, like, you know, d- different types of delicious meals that you're making or acupuncture or crystal healing yeah. or energy healing yeah. or, you know, um, the supplements that you're taking. And it's been so inspiring to watch. And it's just beautiful to see you in your self-care and yeah. it shows on you just when I see you, you're always glowing. So I think that's amazing just for someone to do for themselves. But one of the questions I asked you was, you know, okay, I have a lot going on right now and I'm going through like a crazy transition in my life and I don't have time to do all of these things. So what are the top three? And I don't know if you remember what you told me. (laughs) You know, I, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think um, this process ha- has allowed me to love myself again. And in return, it's been so rewarding. So things of like meditation, acupuncture, um, just giving myself nutritious food has overall made me feel so much better. It's almost like I'll continue this lifestyle after I'm done freezing my eggs because mm-hmm. it's really shifted my my life. It's like made me more wholesome if that makes any kind of sense yeah absolutely Um, but yeah i told you what did i tell you i i we had that conversation um you know i believe in the vitamins that i take i believe um you know there's certain supplements that you can take if you have low ovarian reserve or if you have pcos and um i this last cycle that i did i i changed my acupuncturist and i think it made a huge difference Mm -hmm. um I also did herbs that were different from my last acupuncturist, and I really think it actually will show up this time around. Um, but I also think you have to believe in these things <laughs> for it to actually, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, for sure. if you don't believe in it, that I say, just don't do it. Just yeah, go for it. It's like a block. It. Just don't, it's not going to show up. It's not going to, you know, but I really believe in the meditation process. I really believe in the acupuncture. It makes me feel so good. And I think that's part of what will show up for me like it did last time. Yeah. So the three things that you told me that were just like really easy. I mean, re- really yeah. felt really easy. Were, I'm trying to remember <laughs> what our conversation were was. Sleep, you know, sleep, sleep. is so 100%. important. And so making sure that as you're doing this process and you're preparing for this process, you're getting good sleep. The second one you said was eat nutritious, nourishing foods um, and don't drink alcohol. And the last one that you said was, don't stress. <laughs> I know. And as you're saying these things, I, I, I'm remembering the conversation. Yeah, don't stress. I think um, stress is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Um, we all stress all the time. The first one, I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can sleep well. Great. I can eat great food. And <laughs> no you're problem. like, don't stress. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> um, I have to remind myself every time, even, even now. But um, that is definitely the most challenging part. And also, um, in addition to stressing, really being conscious of the energy that's around you, the Mm. people that you have around you. Mm. Are they going to serve you? Are they going to give you what you need? Mm -hmm. And it also, it goes back to that asking yourself, what do you need right now? Yeah. Um, Simple things like if you've got a conversation and and even in the middle of the conversation, and I'll tell you, like if 
a family member calls me and asks me something, I will be like, you know, this is a really good conversation, but I just can't have it right now. Yeah. So I want to talk about it, definitely, but not at this moment. Totally. Absolutely. And, you know, they've been so respectful of that. It's great. And I think, again, this is something I can apply to my everyday life. It's not just right now. Boundaries. It's like boundaries. <laughs> it's boundaries. Yeah. And so that has really allowed me to limit the amount of stress. But, of course, you know, work is stressful and life happens. Yeah. But. Something else um, that I found really helpful um, is the idea of, you know, talking to your your womb as if you're pregnant and to like just get into that energy of like what kind of vibe do I want to create as I'm nurturing these eggs you know and funny you say that I did that on my first cycle and someone asked me goes are you gonna get really bloated and look like you're pregnant I said hell yeah I said <laughs> I want to feel like I am I want to mm -hmm. feel like these potentially can be eggs that I use to create a child mm -hmm. so why not love myself and my body and how it's going to change and what it's going to look like and how it's going to feel because that might be a child that I may carry again you know so yeah I want to feel all that <laughs> all, all the good all the bad yeah absolutely I, I love that I love that to actually like think about these eggs as what they are Future babies. I mean, that's really incredible. One thing that I might want to say about stress is that um, I love the idea of of electively cushioning yourself as much as you can from these kinds of these conversations that that are bringing negative energy. Um, a little bit on the opposite, and I say this more to my patients dealing with infertility who are trying to get pregnant, who don't have you know they don't have time to to like put this off like they're. They're, they need to be working on getting pregnant um, for whatever reason. Um, they People say, what about stress? And I say, well, everybody has stress, and you you can't put your whole life on hold for this. You know, we I have to fit this into your life, and one of the big things that I do is make sure that I fit fertility and egg freezing treatments into my patients' lives, um, and don't I don't expect them to stop everything for this. And you just have to try as much as you can to also not stress about your stress. So, <laughs> so if you're, it's just you got to accept it; it's there. But the more you think that your stress is going to make this not work for you, the more you're just like shooting yourself. So yeah, yeah. I think also visualizing. Mm -hmm you know, this process going smoothly mm -hmm. from start yep. to finish is meditating on that vision of from, you know, the second that you walk into the doctor's office and you have your first meeting into your blood tests, into, you know, whatever it is that you do to take care of yourself leading up to the procedure to after the procedure, how you're going to feel, just imagining yourself with so much ease and grace and, just an easygoing, smooth process. I think that really helps calm the nervous system. Yep. So, oh, I love that. It sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, the other thing that I felt when I went for my egg freezing appointment, I left and I was like, and this is before I came to see you, Alan, I went to another doctor and um, I left feeling so angry that why is it that women are the only ones that have to deal with this shit? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I talked to you, Shadi, and you were like, actually, men 
still need to think about this too. So I'd love to shift the conversation for our listeners into like, if you're dating someone right now and you guys aren't ready to have a baby, but you're maybe on that path or you're thinking about dating someone or you're a male listener in, you know, tuning in today, what are some things that men need to be considering about how to improve their fertility or sustain their fertility? I have a lot I can say about this. I'm sure we do. Um, (laughs) One of my like most lovely egg freezing patients had a boyfriend who was so helpful and invested and supportive when she was freezing her eggs. He came in, he learned how to do the medications, he came to her appointments. It was wonderful, really great guy. Um, And so, you know, I'm sure he kind of, he was supporting her. It also took like pressure off of him. They could explore their relationship and figure out if they were, you know, what they were going to make of their relationship without, um, you know, as much of a biological clock ticking. Um, And so that was really lovely. I think that any man who's involved with a woman thinking about doing this um, should just be supportive because it can only help. When you brought up the topic of men, mm-hmm. the first thing that came to my mind is women don't want to do this alone. So if you're in a relationship, um, if you're dating someone really not ready to have children or not ready to get married or whatever the case may be, you know, it's so important for the man to just be supportive and understand why the woman or the girlfriend has chosen to do this and not really shame her or question her more of like be like what can I do for you how can I be there for you what do you need from me how can I show up today to make this process easier for you even if she's not going to have children with this with this man Mm -hmm. she may she may not right you don't know where the relationship is going to go but just having someone there that's supporting you is so important and I think that what, what needs to happen is that men need to be more educated about this topic and understanding maybe a little bit about what a woman goes through, um, why we're making these choices. Mm. So sorry, getting back to the yes. men. How can, how can <laughs> they kind of focus on their fertility? The but. thing is, is that infertility in general in a, in, in a, in a couple is so common. Um, at least one in every eight couples, even young couples, is going to struggle with infertility. And then um, as you get older, it's of course much higher than that. So these are men who are going to need to support their wives in the future, many of them, with fertility treatments to try to get pregnant. And many of those couples, their underlying fertility issue, issue will be the man. And so you need to just Everybody needs to own this. This is not just a a women's only issue. This can be the man. It can be both. It can be unexplained. And we still need to move forward to make the families that that people want to have. And so it's it cannot be stigmatized because it is just so common. And Dr. Goldstein and I were talking the other day about male factor. infertility and there's so many things that I didn't know that I learned the other day about increased risk of cancer, mm-hmm. um, increased risk of genetic disorders with male factor infertility. So there's just so what's m- male factor infertility? I mean it's a it's a, a complicated, incompletely understood um, issue. So men um, 
men, a normal sperm count is many, many millions of sperm. A normal sperm count is anywhere from 20 million to like several hundred million sperm. Um, and Lucky bastards. I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. And, and then you can kind of have every range in between, you know, a mild male factor is a guy who's got maybe only 10 million sperm. Um, and we, t- we treat that one way. A severe male factor is like less than 5 million sperm. We treat that another way. Some men have like sperm. They're literally counting one, two, three under the microscope, you know, and, and some men have zero sperm. Um, and, you know, we have, we, male factor is actually one of the more simple things that we treat because it sort of like directs us down a certain pathway depending on what kind of sperm we're dealing with. Um, but the, um, the, Sperm quality does seem to be a canary in the coal mine for um, men's health in general. And so um, every time I have a man who has less than perfect sperm, I send him to a reproductive urologist. I make sure that he gets evaluated for any um, issue that might actually be causing the sperm issues. Um, And many of them are treatable um, either to just improve his general health and his hormonal status. and sometimes to improve the sperm themselves. And so I kind of, when, I ha- when I'm dealing with a couple dealing with male factor infertility, I tell them two things. I say, let's, let's make sure that this isn't anything that's affecting your health. Let's take care of you. And let's also get your wife pregnant. And so sometimes one treatment targets both. Sometimes it's two different things that we have to do to handle both of those things. Um, but many male factor issues, you know, the wife could be perfectly healthy and she's still going to need IVF because his sperm counts are too low to get her pregnant naturally. And we need to destigmatize that because that's okay. IVF babies are wonderful, healthy babies. As you know, our community has, and we've been talking about today, a lot of standards and ideals rules, expectations about when to get married, where to live, what education to get, how to dress. And these rules are meant to show us what's best for us. And we are welcome to follow them and live a life that is based on this formula. Um, But at Chaya, one of our main goals, and this is what we hope to do every week on the podcast, is to begin to challenge those rules by getting conscious and asking ourselves, what rules do we want to live by? Which ones do we want to give ourselves permission to break? And what intentions do we want to set for our futures? So one of the, one of, I'd like to ask you, Shadi, what's one rule you've broken as a Jewish Iranian? And what did you learn or gain from breaking that rule? That's a good question. Um, I think I've, broken one of the biggest rules, um, speaking about my fertility. Mm. You know, I think back in the day, like when our parents were getting married, there was something where they would be like, okay, before you get married, you've got to make sure you guys can both have children. And it was just like this unspoken thing of like getting tested. And I didn't really understand what that was and why it was so quiet and no one would talk about it. But I think in the reality of it was it to make sure you weren't infertile so you could have children. Um, So it's kind of ironic here that I'm here and speaking about something so openly and sharing my journey and talking to women about my period and talking about, you know, giving myself injections and showing how my body is changing and, you know, and and being so open about the unknown. You know, it's something that I'm learning as I'm sharing along with everyone else. And I think... 
um, some people look at me and they're like, wow, are you sure you want to talk about this? Are you sure you're comfortable talking about this? And it honestly, it was the easiest decision I have made in my life. Mm. After deciding what I wanted my career to be, becoming a pharmacist, I knew right off the bat that that's what I wanted to do. It was very easy. Um, and I was like, well, I'm so fortunate to know what career I want. And then now, having been a pharmacist and coming to this point in my life, which has been such an amazing transition, um, knowing that I, or wanting to talk about my fertility was almost like I woke up one day and I was like, this is what I, this is what I need to do. This is what I need in order to feel complete, like I've done enough. Alan and Shadi, thank you so much for joining us. How can our listeners hear and get more from you? So my website is uh, www.drellengoldstein.com. It's drellengoldstein.com. And um, it has all my contact information on there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I share everything about my fertility on my Instagram at conception.losangeles. And soon, hopefully, I'll have my website up. But for now, you can find me there. Amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. Love you guys. Hey, Chaya family. Thank you for tuning in. This episode was brought to you by Chaya Community, a sacred space for Jewish Iranians to experience meaningful connection and deepen their sense of self. It's also brought to you by WeWork, finally a space that works how you do. WeWork's new media and entertainment locations are wired and ready for your next big creative project. From soundproof editing rooms to state-of-the-art screening rooms, our media-ready spaces have you covered from pilot to wrap. Book a tour of our newest M&E building at the Pacific Design Center, Green, by visiting we.co slash entertainment. 